Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us. Arts organizations throughout the region are returning back to normal, which means staging shows, exhibits, concerts, welcoming back visitors, and raising the funds to make all of that happen. We wanted to find out what was going on in one of our most venerable arts institutions here in Northeast Ohio, the Beck Center in Lakewood. We're joined by Cindy Einhouse, who's the president and CEO of Beck, an organization that will soon, by the way, be celebrating its 90th anniversary. Cindy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Cindy, you've been a supporter for the arts here in Northeast Ohio for a long time, not just as a patron, but also as an employee. You worked at Playhouse Square. You were at the Cleveland Institute of Music. Did your love for arts come before you began working for all these organizations? Oh, it, it sure did. I um, All my life, I uh, have been involved with the arts, but mainly music. My parents uh, inspired me in that way. My dad uh, had a beautiful singing voice. My mother played the piano and the organ, and it was my favorite thing when they would uh, play and sing together. What do you think's changed about the art scene here in Northeast Ohio over your years in being involved? Well, I think that people have started to realize how important the arts are to education. It, uh, it was always a, an important part of my family's education, even though uh, they didn't, my parents didn't have very much money. They, they somehow found a way to get uh, music lessons for my sister and my brother and me. Um, it's it's a, just a fact of life that music education helps kids to be successful in school in many different ways. I think what's different lately is that there, now there is research that uh, has proven that. I always thought, and I've said this many times, kids should take it. If, they, if you can afford it, somehow figure out a way to take a few years of music lessons. Mathematically, it helps you. And you will just be a little bit further ahead, especially when the teacher starts to talk about music. You're going to kind of at least have a grasp where a lot of your fellow students are not. I always thought it was a wonderful thing. Again, if you can afford to do it. I would just throw in for my own two cents. I think the arts organizations are doing a better job of not only education, but also letting people know how important they are to the economy. I think sometimes we think about arts as an aesthetic thing, which is their main reason, but I think we're starting to realize they really do a lot for the economy. Absolutely. And one of the upsides of the pandemic, if you could say there's any upside at all, is that uh, the arts community really um, came together with one voice to um, talk about the uh, impact of the, of the pandemic on the arts but also the importance of the arts. Ohio Citizens for the Arts has put together a lot of data on that. And uh, during the pandemic, it was shown that Ohio's creative businesses were the hardest hit with closures. And this creative sector is the long, is, was closed longer than any other industry. And it's going to be the last industry in Ohio to recover fully. The decreases as a percentage in employment and economic output, they were four times as large compared to the overall Ohio economy. But the arts industries, the creative industries are a critical economic driver in the state of Ohio. Just in, um, in 2019, prior to the pandemic, their creative industries were measured to support over 329,000 jobs, $18 billion in payroll, $55 billion in economic output. Um, Ohio Citizens for the Arts has all that data. Let's talk about the Beck Center. For many, I think it is a place to come see theater, but so much more happens in the building. What are some of the other things that the Beck Center does for the community? 
Beck Center is uh, proud to have developed over the past 89 years a very comprehensive arts education program uh, with classes in music, dance, theater, visual arts, and uh, creative arts therapies, which are music therapy, art therapy, adapted dance, adapted theater for children and adults with disabilities. We have, in addition to our education programs, we have performances going on in three different performance spaces, sometimes simultaneously. Beck Center has a rich tradition of youth theater. How long has that been part of the mission? Since, since the theater's inception or pretty close? Pretty close. Um, in the uh, Lakewood Little Theater, which was the uh, predecessor to Beck Center for the Arts, uh, when that was incorporated in 1933, almost immediately they started doing classes for adults uh, in diction and other types of classes that helped uh, people who you know didn't do um, didn't perform for a living be effective in their performances on stage. By 19, um, 1948. They had uh, incorporated a children's theater and started, uh, they had started doing some youth theater performances before that, but they really formalized the program at that time. We think we're, we think we're about the oldest ones uh, in the country with a continuous uh, youth theater program of shows put on by kids for kids. Beck Center has a diversity week planned early in June. What's going to take place that week? Oh, we have all kinds of stuff happening. It's so exciting. This is our first. We hope that we'll this will be an annual thing and we can build on this every year. This year we have we have we're gonna start it off with our Super Saturday, and uh, that's gonna be the first Saturday in June. That uh, weekend also uh, is uh, per, our performances of our production of The Legend of Georgia McBride. And we are uh, proud to be doing a post-show reception in collaboration with Plexus, the um, LGBT and Allied Chamber of Commerce. And then um, we are also going to be having a talk back following performance on June 10th uh, at that same uh, production. And that is uh, sponsored by the LGBT Center of Cleveland. And it is going to be a uh, talk by Dr. Lady J about the history of drag in Cleveland. We have a um, poetry reading on uh, that same Saturday on June 4th. We have, we have Mad Jack's Dance uh, doing a performance for us, all kinds of things. It's all listed at beckcenter.org. One of the reasons we wanted to have talked with you is to talk about the major renovation that happened at Beck Center. You announced the plans in March of 2020. Something else really big also happened in March of 2020, obviously. Yes. <laughs> what were your thoughts? You thought we're getting ready to undertake this major renovation, which involves fundraising, and yet we're all facing COVID now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you know, that was, uh, there was also a silver lining um, in the, of the pandemic for that as well because we were able to conduct the messiest, noisiest, most disruptive construction of our uh, project between August 2020 and March of 2021. Um, a few people were in the building at that time, and most of our programming was being done online. But we had, uh, we had started the fundraising in 2016, actually. We started a, and, uh, by March of 2020. We had raised over $3 million of a $5.7 million campaign. So we were kicking off this public phase on March 10th, announcing that we had over 50% of our goal. We were all excited about this. We had this big campaign rally on March 10th. And then three days later, the state of Ohio was shut down for the pandemic. 
So we really had to shift our attention to survival mode. You know, we were transitioning everybody to work at home, but we were able to get some virtual arts education program up and running within, actually within a week. And um, at first, all of this online education programming was free. We were trying to figure out what the community needed, how to deliver virtual content. We were at the same time spending many hours researching best practices for how to eventually bring people safely back to in-person classes and performances. So we were doing all that, but we managed to keep fundraising, although you know, I, I think that it definitely slowed our pace because we weren't able to bring people together during that time. But Within the, follow, within the next year, though, by March of 2021, we had our attainment was four and a half million or 80 percent of the goal. So, you know, that means we we really were able to raise another five, one and a half million between March of 2020, March of 2021. So our board of directors decided to increase the goal for the campaign, which was wonderful so that we could accomplish more of what was needed. But now the goal is six point seven. So as of this month, we've raised almost five and a half million, and that's from 500 donors, over 500 donors. And what's really wonderful about that is that the majority of the funds we've gotten so far have been from individuals as opposed to foundations or corporations or government. This is, you know, four and a half million of that five and a half million is from people. Gifts of all sizes, and for, you know, two million of that's from our board of directors. So um, we're really hoping that foundations, corporations, and government sources will help us now in this final stretch. It's you know they typically do wait till the end of any campaign before committing, uh, and we hope that uh, we really hope that we'll be able to finish this fundraising this year so that we can get get our renovations done by the end of our 90th anniversary season. Give us the details, the scope of this expansion and renovation. What does it enable Beck to do that it wasn't able to do before? First, it's important to know that this Beck Center campus consists of three buildings on three and a half acres. And we're in the heart of one of Cleveland's most densely populated inner ring suburbs. The oldest part of our campus was built in 1915 and the newest in 1976. So needless to say, ADA accessibility, energy efficiency, functionality of the spaces has been a key concern for a long time. When we renovated the education wing um, during 2020, this was in the 1915 building. So there were very narrow hallways, steps down into every classroom. And what we did was um, really did a lot of structural work and reconfigured that whole education wing now so that it's completely accessible. And then um, next we renovated the building at the southern end of our campus, which is a former armory that was built for the Ohio National Guard in 1938. So from August of 21 till January of this year, we reconfigured the recital hall. Um, this, are, this is our uh, third performance space. It's most accessible for performances and performers and audiences with disabilities. We um, added faculty studios, a gender neutral restroom, and we updated the backstage uh, kitchen space. And we finished that um, in March of this year. We did a ribbon cutting on that. And that's our new Center for Music and Creative Arts Therapies. We do sensory-friendly dance performances in that recital hall and also our Razzle Dazzle production. 
with the support of the Cuyahoga County Board of Developmental Disabilities. This is our 20th performance production this year, and those performances are this weekend, as a matter of fact. So um, this summer, the next phase, because we're only doing this work as we are getting enough cash to do it um, with contributions. So this summer, we're looking forward to tearing down the Annex building, which is on the, it's the third building, little building on the corner of Detroit and Rockway Avenues. It's really, it's too costly to renovate and it obscures access to our main building. So we are eager to take that down. We've already gotten permission from the city and in its place, we're looking forward to creating a pocket park for the community where people will be able to get together and enjoy themselves and periodically program some arts experiences there. And then finally, in our next phase of renovations, we're going to redo our front entryway, which is not accessible right now for anyone who comes in a wheelchair. We want to put a marquee over that entrance for the Sunny Theater. We're going to um, build new uh, restrooms. Um, our patrons will be thrilled to hear that uh, near the entrance to the Sunny Theater. We're going to redo the customer service area, create a dedicated space for theater education. Um, we're going to replace this skylight roofing material that was installed in 1976, which has no insulating properties. So it'll really make a make a difference on our utility bills. And um, so we're hoping to get that work done in our 90th season. Really set the stage for the next 90 years. Cindy Einhouse joins us. She's the president and CEO of the Beck Center for the Arts. She joins us today for the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. So where is Beck and its recovery from the pandemic? I remember at the end of December, you had to cancel a few performances of Elf because of COVID. How are things yeah. going in terms of getting audience back and classes, people, are they coming back? How's that all working out? Well, we are, yeah, that was painful, canceling those performances, all right. Well, we're still in recovery mode, but we're very happy to be in business. And we feel that we are here because of the pandemic relief funding that was made available to us from federal, state, and county sources. Like every other arts organization, this was absolutely vital to us to um, retain talent and operations and keep serving the public. You know, we are in acronym heaven with the PPP and the SVOG and the EIDL. And, and yeah, we, uh, we were, took advantage of everything we could put our hands on. So we, we discovered early on that when people have a choice between online and in-person classes, they really prefer to have in-person experiences. And that goes with virtual performances too. So we, you know, it's taken a while to make sure that people feel safe in coming back to in-person experiences. Um, um, but for our production of Elf in December, we had the highest number of ticket sales of any production in our recorded history. Unfortunately, we had to refund five sold out houses at the oh. end of the run because of the illness in the cast and the COVID variant was at its peak. But people do want to come back. And um, I think that the reco full recovery is going to probably take at least another year or so. We, we hope that there will be further pandemic relief funding coming because like others, you know, in the arts, we're still we're still trying to creep back up out of the hole. As we look forward to the 2022-2023 season and the main stage shows, what's changed about the way Beck Center chooses the shows they choose to stage? Well, you know, we've noticed that during this theater season, people seem to be wanting more lighthearted entertainment as opposed to more serious plays. Elf is an example of that, certainly. Uh, Steve Martin's Meteor Shower, uh, currently in our studio theater, is sold out now. 
it's uh, it, it's uh, it does seem that people are really looking for some escape. Younger audiences are important. Now, if you get involved in theater, sometimes as a kid, then you fall in love with it. But how do we attract more young people to the theater? That's uh, that's always always a goal of ours, uh, developing younger and more diverse audiences. There's a there are a few ways that we do that, and we've been working on it for quite some time. Um, for for example, in in 2018, we got permission from Playhouse Square to adopt their Smart Seat brand at Beck Center. This was well known program at Playhouse Square. It helps you know it helped us to be able to use the same label to offer our patrons the opportunity to come to shows for just $10. And so, um, you know, people feel welcome to try out something new if the price is relatively low. We thought, you know, getting Play Out Square's permission to use their Smart Seats brand, it would sort of like tie together and, and help get people's attention who maybe don't know us. Another way that we connect to young and diverse audiences is through our co-productions with Baldwin Wallace University's Music Theater Program. We just uh, had our 12th annual co-production, Lizzie the Musical, in February. And then, of course, youth theater productions, we've been doing that, you know, like I said, since the 1940s. And our um, next program going on stage uh, with the kids is Bugsy Malone. It's opening May 6th, and we have kids uh, in the cast age 8 to 18. We've got four productions throughout the year of kids from our uh, youth theater program going on. And it's um, in addition to getting kids involved with being on the stage, it's also a great experience for other kids to just come and see kids on stage. When kids see other kids on stage, it's just magical for them. It, it's They can relate to it so much better than if they see grownups on stage. We've mentioned a few times that the 90th anniversary of the Beck Center is next year. You just published a book about that. That must have been quite an undertaking. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, this is a complex organization, certainly. Um, and the archives were not in good shape here. But uh, they're in much better shape now, anyway. We were, um, I and a, and a handful of people spent uh, many a Friday morning from last April through the end of December sorting things out and just sort of picking through things, discovering treasures, doing research, sharing ideas. And so I put it all together and, and uh, finished writing um, in uh, December, finished editing in January, February. And, and so um, I'm really excited to share that with everyone. It, it's been a, it was definitely a labor of love, and I'm really excited that any of the proceeds are going to go to Beck Center's endowment. It's wonderful. I think of my good friend Joe Mossbrook, who's written a couple of volumes about Cleveland jazz history, and you think these 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 institutions, these things need to be retained. But you know, certainly people are going to know the story of the Cleveland Orchestra and the Playhouse and the Art Museum. But there's these other important cultural institutions that 40 years from now, someone's going to be doing a reference, doing a research paper, and they're going to be able to look at your book and see what was going on at the Beck Center in 1950 and 2022. It makes a difference. Uh, you know, in the in the 90s, uh, someone tried to write a book, but did, only got as far as doing interviews. But those interviews were absolutely wonderful. In our archives at Beck Center, there were transcripts of those interviews. And so they interviewed people who had long history at that point, up to that point. It's amazing to think that the 90s were about 30 years ago. I don't like to think about <laughs> but, that. <laughs> yeah. But they had, you know, those people were closer to the history. And so they interviewed all these folks that had a long history with the organization up to that point. And so we read through the transcripts and we flagged all the things that were that were interesting. I'm sure we missed things. 
So I'm sure somebody's going to come back and say, wait, you missed a really important fact or a really important story. And I'm just going to welcome that person to write it, you know, write a second edition of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful you're captured the history of an important institution. Cindy Einhouse, thanks so much for joining us today. Good luck with the season and then the 90th anniversary coming up next year. Thank you so much. Cindy Einhouse is the president and CEO of the Beck Center in Lakewood, a major arts organization here in Northeast Ohio. She joined us for The Landscape. I'm Dan Paletta. Thank you for joining us for The Landscape, and we'll talk again soon. 